Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We are here live in Vegas at Blue Wire Studios at The Win. Chessa and I flew in last night. Uh, we are feeling good. <laughs> We're feeling really fresh, actually. We landed early, went to bed early, woke up too early, but we flew in over the opening ceremony fireworks. So very, very cool. Incredible. Um, so we're here for a live Las Vegas Grand Prix preview, and we have a very special interview with Pilar Harris, who is a senior director of corporate social responsibility, sustainability, government relations, kind of all things happening behind the scenes. So it was incredible to talk to her about what it takes to really build a Grand Prix from the ground, which there's a lot that goes into it. But we're going to dive in. We are gearing up for a wild weekend, trying to stay on the right time zones here. <sighs> um, but we're super excited. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Chessa. Okay, this is a brand new race. It's never happened before on this street circuit, and we are so excited. We do have to remember that in 1981 and 1982, there was a Las Vegas Grand Prix um, it was called the Caesars Palace Grand Prix. I wanted to make sure I got that one right. Um, but yeah, this is everyone is projecting this is going to be one of their biggest events ever. And it's actually crazy how fast it came came to be. It only took 19 months from sort of F1 buying this parking lot in Vegas, which For we're talking about. For $240 million. Quarter of a bill. And then <laughs> setting up this insane race. And again, our interview with Pilar talks a lot about what goes into it. But I think the spectacle of all spectacles is going to be the fact that this is a night race going down the strip, which is going to be wild. <laughs> all the Vegas landmarks, the fountains, the lights, the super long straight. It's going to be the sphere. Oh, duh. It's <laughs> How gonna could be quite, you forget? Quite the show. Um, timing wise, it's not ideal if you're on Eastern time. I think Quali is <laughs> at what, like 3 a.m.? Yep. And the race is starting at 1 a.m. local time. Well, no, sorry, not local time. Eastern time, uh, 10 p.m. local time it's here. It's going to be a potty. We're ready. I think 10 p.m. local time is the latest ever start for a Grand Prix in Formula One history. And with Quali starting at midnight local time, that's also a first for F1. So might be the first race that starts one day and ends another. We'll see. It's like the New Year's of <laughs> if F1. we have any red flags, which might happen given it's the first time racing here, but yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. out. So what have ha what has happened so far this week? We had the Netflix Cup, which was this live golf F1 oh crossover <laughs> on Wednesday with another trophy being broken, this time by Carlos. Wait, let's talk about that for a second because the trophy I think was made of like plastic. It was super yeah. light that it just like flew out of his It hand. just kind of fell off his shoulder. Um, yeah. And it and his, broke into a million face, pieces. He was just like... <laughs> Lando was probably like, good. At least it wasn't Yeah, the Carlando bond continues. <laughs> so we had that. We had a full rainy opening ceremony, which was a little bit Hunger Games style. Very cool. But uh, yeah, we had the... Drivers kind of coming up onto the stages, rising up out mm -hmm. of the boxes, like almost Taylor Swift style. But then going right back down after they yeah. actually weren't like on display for that on long. Display. <laughs> they kind of are on display. Max would agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had that. Uh, lots of musical performances last night. We had Red Bull launching their special Vegas livery by dropping the car from the, the ceiling of a club, Very which cool. only happens in Vegas. So we love that. Vegas is anticipating 100,000 fans daily, 120,000 people coming from outside the Vegas area. And in terms of economic impact, that is $1.2 billion that is expected. So pretty crazy. Road Which makes closures. sense, though. I mean, just walking around Vegas, there's just so much to do, money to be spent, things to do. <laughs> 
restaurants to eat at. It's going to be quite the thing. We've been here for less than 24 hours. The whole, like this whole city is just a business. Like everything just feels just operational. It is. It's, it's cool. It's, it's honestly really cool. Um, and so in terms of road closures, just for people in the area, roads are closing starting at 5 p.m. They're being officially handed over to F1 at 7 p.m. And they will be called hot at that point, as oh. in ready for action. <laughs> but actually, they might be quite cold because yes, we'll it is, it's cold here. OK, so I'm going to I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I get the amount of tons correctly. But like we said, brand new circuit although new paving has been laid because it was previously city streets, right? So that need to be fixed for F1. So we have 60,000 tons of base layer and 43,000 tons more for race layer paving. So hopefully it's a nice smooth, smooth track for everyone. And like we said, like the, the race complex is being housed mostly in this parking lot that F1 bought a little over a year ago for $240 million. This is kind of a big deal because this is the first time that F1 is its own promoter for their own race. So they're putting it on. They're kind of taking on the financial stake of the whole situation. Liberty Media is producing the whole thing. And so it's definitely a a big deal. And you'll hear, hear from Pilar. Their team is small. It's about 100 people to put on yeah. this scale of an event from the ground. They didn't have anything to start from. So that's pretty insane. Yeah. And the track itself, it's going to be going down all the main Las Vegas landmarks there's a 1.4 mile long straight which is i think the longest straight on the f1 calendar this year so i think that'll be really good for some of the cars we can talk about which teams it might favor which teams <laughs> it might not favor but they had to bring in a ton of temporary lights because even though vegas obviously is so lit up at night a la times square or i guess <laughs> times square is like mimicking vegas because the scale here is just yes, insane they had sure. to bring in a lot of lights because if you think about it the drivers are going to be low down there's going to be all of the different glare from these different colored lights, like they need to have high visibility. So they brought in a bunch of lights. There's 18 temporary grandstands, 10 hospitality structures, 12 ticketed zones, and the pit lane complex is the length of three American football fields. Huge. And the shape of the track, I'm loving the memes talking about how it kind of looks like an upside down pig. For anyone who used to watch The Simpsons, the Homer Simpson spider pig, spider pig. Okay. That's all over the internet. <laughs> it's going right over my head. I think it looks like any upside down animal they're kind of like a three-legged animal. The memes, like you're going around the trotters, then the loins, and then whatever, the snout. <laughs> niche. Very niche. It is a little uh, niche. Talking about going around. It's going to be 50 laps, 6.2 kilometers, two DRS zones, and that long straight that we just mentioned. Yes. So what type of racing can we expect? This Because this is a brand new street circuit, they've thought about good racing from the beginning here. So we are expecting a really, really good show when it comes to racing the average speed is expected to be to rival Monza, which is known lovingly in the F world, the F1 world as the temple of speed. So the temple of speed. Uh, we're expecting cars to reach over 212 miles per hour, which is crazy. It is also a wider track for a street circuit. Um, so passing should hopefully be better than a place like Monaco, for example. We are very excited to see the kind of spectacle of racing here. But as we kind of alluded to, we have to talk <laughs> about dun 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 the temperatures. So we are in the desert. The race is at night. It is expected to be cold. So F1 has done winter preseason testing in Spain. There was this crazy cold race, I think, in Canada in the 1978. It was yeah. five degrees. Yeah, five degrees Celsius. Sorry, <laughs> had to clarify that one. Yes. <laughs> 
but cold. So yeah, that is cold. The main way that this comes into play is for the tires, getting the tires to warm up. It comes into play when it, you know, when we're thinking about strategy, pit stops, what type of tires to use. Pirelli is bringing the softest compound to make sure that the tires can warm up faster. So I'm definitely curious to see how data looks and how things are coming out of practice there. It's a good thing. This is not a sprint weekend. So we have three practices to fully kind of get used to the track here. I feel like if I was on the strategy teams, I would be trying to think of like everything that could go wrong. Because if you think about it, like the challenge for a lot of these strategy teams during the season is a really hot track, like in the Middle East and all those different races and even in Europe, like lately. So to completely switch it on its head and think about, okay, well, what if it's going to be really cold? Like, what do we do? I have a hot take, a pre, a pre hot take, hot <laughs> a little take foreshadowing that take. the teams that do strategy really well, like maybe they won't do strategy as well because they'll be a little bit out of their element and then it's just going to be a little bit of a free for all. So not really a hot take. I'm just saying it's going to be crazy. I feel like the teams that do strategy well are going to do well with this. But what if they only do well within the realms of what they've usually been working within? Ooh, find out. We'll see. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about, we're not going to go team by team today, but we're just going to talk about some of the things that we're excited for. So for me, it's the driver's championship battles. Max already won. Yes. Done, done, done. No, I'm just kidding. We already know that <laughs> one. So it's going to be about P2 mostly. Lewis is chasing Checo for P2, only trails him by 32 points. And it's kind of a big weekend for Checo. And I guess in Tiggy's mind, it's a big weekend for Lewis. Yes, sir. But basically, if Lewis doesn't outscore Checo by seven points this weekend, Checo has got P2 for the championship. Yes. And I am hoping, not just because I love Lewis, I am hoping that we do get a battle at the last race. It would be fun to not have it sewn up here. Really? Um, yeah. I want I want it to go down to the last race of the season. Okay. So maybe like Lewis pulls ahead by like one point. Yeah. That would make it interesting. And pulls ahead more. So it's still, you feel good about it, but you're not too stressed. Yeah. Okay. But we have tight battles, like kind of down, like Alonso, Lando. P3. So Alonso Lewis, our fight, or Alonso is chasing Lewis for the P3 position. He's only 28 points behind. Yeah. That's a big one. And then Lando's chasing Alonso for P4. And that's only a three-point gap. Three and points. then three to Carlos right below. That is crazy because, you know, McLaren has been looking really good. Aston Martin had a good good race last last time around. But McLaren, I think that would be Lando's highest ever finish. Yeah, it's also, that makes you think about and realize how long a season is because you're like, Checo's ahead of Lewis, what? Checo had a good start to the season and then all of a sudden it went downhill. And so think about where McLaren started the season. Exactly, and Aston Martin. So it's a whole thing. And then the last sort of like driver's championship one that makes sense to call out is is Lance and Gasly or Pierre are one point apart duking it out for P10. P10, yeah, that's big. So constructors, the big question is Mercedes going to make up the 400 points they need to catch Red Bull. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's, I think it's, I think they have all the time they need. (laughs) But in all seriousness, Mercedes and Ferrari are 20 points apart for P2 with Mercedes and P2, Ferrari and P3. Who do you think is going to take it? This is going to be a cool weekend to see because I think for this season, neither, neither team, we can like do our preview and say, okay, this is going to be a good track for Mercedes. This is going to be a good track for Ferrari. We never really know what they're going to bring until they bring it. I think Mercedes has struggled a little bit on the straight line speed. So I actually think this could be a better weekend for Ferrari. And then Tiggy looks nervous. And then Mercedes will come back and win it all. Is that what you want me to say? (laughs) I'm not asking for what you, you think I want you to say. I'm asking for your opinion. That's my opinion. (laughs) Okay, so you think Mercedes will take it at the end, but Ferrari will do better this weekend. Agreed. Okay, interesting. 
Yeah, it's hard. I think Mercedes' car is such a temperamental beast. Well, exactly. You just don't know. Especially this weekend. Yeah, with the cold, the tires, straight yeah. line speed. We'll we'll see. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money on Mercedes for it. Shocker. <laughs> the other talking point here is McLaren has pulled 20 points ahead of Aston Martin in P4, but Aston Martin did have a good weekend last race. So we'll see if they can keep that lead. Who do you put your money on between McLaren and Aston? Um, season, I put my money on McLaren. Um, season, two races to go. But let's th- not forget Aston Martin's straight line speed last weekend <laughs> against Checo in the Red Bull. We are traveling be this weekend. with a very big Lance Stroll fan. So he sent us pictures this morning yeah, of the track. Like true. I can just picture Lance Stroll cruising down here in P1. <laughs> so manifesting that, I guess. Yeah, maybe not P1, <laughs> but certainly I think we'll see an Aston Martin in the points. And I think this will be a really cool weekend for Aston Martin if they can figure out, if anyone can figure out the tire situation. Yeah, and then there's also a three-way fight for P7 going on between Williams, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri. Those three teams are only 12 points apart, so a lot to fight for. And the reason that this is important is millions of dollars are at stake here. Yeah. Depending on where you finish in constructors, that equates to millions of dollars. So Yeah, I can't remember the exact millions, but when we, we said it in one episode a few episodes ago. And like, it's not like it's a linear drop of money from number one to to number 10. Just like when you win a race, it's not like it's like 20, 10, zero. Like it's, it's massively scaled towards the top. So even getting one place higher means just that much more, more money you get. So it's important. Big deal. So we want to talk about some general Vegas-isms. Uh, there have been... Vegas-isms. <laughs> we, you know, the discourse online is that a lot of U.S. races, where does Vegas kind of stack up in the rank of Vegas, Miami, Austin? Is it sort of like the Monaco of the U.S. races? Can we even equate that given the yeah. American versus European cultures and the the difference there? I think we certainly cannot equate Monaco and Vegas to each other. But if you want to think of like Monaco as the crown jewel vibe-wise in the European race circuit then perhaps Vegas will be the crown jewel in the level of spectacle within the U.S. races itself. You know what I mean? It's so fun how different every race is, right? Like we were just at Austin. It was incredible. Totally different vibe. Not better, not worse, you know, just different. Different. And I think there's something for everybody here, but I'm loving the kind of spectacle that comes with Vegas. And again, not having been here since I was eight years old, I'm I'm ready. It's it's fun. And I think it's definitely showing like F1 is caring or showing that they care more and more about the fan experience every season that goes on with the addition of these new races, the types of races, the types of fan experience that they're prioritizing. But let's talk about some of that controversy. Yeah. So what Max said, it's 99% spectacle, 1% or, or sports event. And then Lewis said something about, well, and this is actually really cool that we're going to have the Pilar episode right after this because it's like, we can't just come in here and make a whole hub of circus, whole circus, and then just leave, you know? And, and so not think about the just, local residents yeah. and how it's affecting the communities. So yeah, I think it's really worth sticking around for the Pilar episode to, to hear a little bit about how building a Grand Prix from scratch, they actually thought about this at a, at a very holistic level from sustainability partnering with nonprofits to food rescue programs, all sorts of things. Traffic is a big one and obviously kind of the quality of life for for residents during this weekend. Yeah, and just having gotten here yesterday, which was Wednesday, 
it F1 is fully ingrained into every single aspect of this weekend. Like we're at our hotel, like even in our room, there's like papers referencing F1 and everything is everything in the city is centering around this one weekend long event. And so it yeah, definitely listen to the Polar episode. <laughs> I'm not gonna give too much away. Okay, let's go to hot takes. I have a I have a lot because okay. we're in Vegas, I feel like in a betting gambling mood. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> no money on the line Lewis here. Wins. <laughs> no. Lewis outperforms Checo though by more than seven points and keeps the fight alive Fair. through to Abu Dhabi end of the season. Um, McLaren podium. I think they're going to do really yeah. well this weekend rooting for them. And I'm going to say Logan points. So that's my trifecta. Okay. The first thing that I'm going to gleefully hope for is a massive mistake from a really good driver. Named <laughs> Are Max you talking about <laughs> <laughs> I think where I my hot take is not hot it's cold that the cold is going to ruin everyone and it's going to be an absolute free-for-all and like Stroll is going to be on podium see I'm going to go the opposite I'm going to say there's been a lot of talk about the coldness but that F1 is a professional machine they've thought a lot about this Mm -mm. and that there there may be some drama but I don't think the cold is going to play into it as much as we think okay that's fair I think we're going to see an Aston in the top 10 which is not that hot I guess and I would like to see a McLaren win. Wow. Okay. McLaren, McLaren win. win. That's crazy. Yeah. But I'm here for it. Yeah. Okay. So some news this week. Speaking of Vegas, there have been a lot, of, there's been a lot of tension leading up to the Grand Prix this weekend with all of the kind of hospitality workers. There were 35,000 unionized hospitality workers threatening to strike if deals with the union did not go through with resorts like Caesars, The Win, MGM. Last week, an agreement was reached, which is great. So there's been no strike, no impact to this, but it is just really important given the press, the concern for kind of local people here helping put on the show to yeah. treat those people the way they need to be treated to put on kind of this, this Another scale of an plug event. for the Pilar episode to follow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Another exciting news is Leah Block. She's an American driver. She's only 17 she just such great news this week. It's insane. So she just signed on to be Bianca Bustamante's teammate at ART Grand Prix racing team for F1 Academy. And she's also been selected as the Williams F1 Academy driver. So that means she's also part of the Williams Driver Academy. She is such a superstar. She's only 17, like I said. And for only being 17, she's already made quite a name for herself in Rally Extreme and Rallycross. She won the open two-wheel drive class this year. And she became the youngest American Rally Association champion in history. So cool. Super exciting announcement this week from Williams and loved all the content on social media. Yeah, James Vowles was just like, let's go. I loved that. The video of him FaceTiming her and her watching the video or whatever on on the chair. So cool. I love James Vowles. I just have to put that out there. He is just so (laughs) professional. He, I love his videos talking about all the things behind the scenes that, you know, a lot of team principals wouldn't just go out and say, yeah, like how he's, how he's like publicly dealing with the Logan rumors about what might happen next yeah. year. I just think it's cool that he has a lot of accountability to the fans. Yeah. Final piece of news. So speaking of America, we have to mention Andretti. So General Motors uh, has confirmed that Cadillac, one of its brands will be supplying F1 engines from 2028 onwards This, in my mind, strengthens Andretti's bid because, as a reminder, Andretti is partnering with Cadillac on that bid. They have been kind of approved through the first round by the FIA, but it is, I don't know if it's still on Stefano Domenicali's fully accepted, they're saying, (laughs) by the commercial arm of the FIA, whatever that means. Exactly. So 
if they do join in 2025 or 2026, as expected, they would likely use Renault engines until 2828, until Cadillac is ready to supply their own team. The American engine will continue to live on. There we go. Very <laughs> cool. Well, hope you guys enjoyed our Vegas preview. We're so excited to be here this weekend and can't wait to bring you all along for the ride. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Women's health is so important, and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to For the Girls. We are here live in Vegas. We're at Blue Wire Studios at The Win. I'm Tiggy. I'm Chessa. And we are here with a very, very special guest, Pilar Harris. Welcome, Pilar. Thank you for Hi, being ladies. here. <laughs> Pilar is the senior director of, <laughs> let me see if I can get this right. You it's a mouthful. This. You got this. Corporate Social Responsibility, Government Relations, and Sustainability. Basically, she is the fearless leader of all <laughs> of the things that are going on behind the scenes, all of the good things that are going on behind the scenes. Uh, Pilar, we cannot wait to dive into your story, all things Vegas. But first, it's race weekend. How are you feeling? Are you alive? Oh, are you man. excited? What are you proud of? I feel great. Um, it's adrenaline for me yeah. right now. And it's probably been that way for the past 30 days as oh, we're just getting ready. A time. It's a long time, wow. but it feels good. Yeah. You know, you, I get up in the morning and I'm like, okay, what are we tackling today? <laughs> What's going on? And then in the past, you know, 72 hours with all of the teams and the fans starting to descend yeah. on, on our little island, it's been incredible. I feel great. Well, so we can excited to be here. We can feel the energy. It's been yeah. really amazing. Okay, so we'll back up a little bit. Please. Tell us about your background. What got you into the fabulous world of CSR, yeah. corporate social responsibility? Sure. Motorsport F1. Were you always an F1 fan? Oh my gosh. I have not always been an F1 fan. So um, the interesting thing about my journey is I have a human rights background. Yeah. So I worked in the public sector for a very long time on different advocacy campaigns. Um, and, uh, I didn't know formula one existed until about three <laughs> summers ago. I had no idea. I was working at an advocacy organization called global citizen at the time. And you might remember summer of 2020, there was a lot going on. Um, this new platform had kind of emerged out of formula one called we races one. Yep. Uh, and at the time F1 was kind of looking for partners to activate that we races one platform around the world. And so in my seat at global citizen, we were exploring ways to work together. Mm -hmm. 
And um, and so it was one of those like busy, busy work days, right, where your calendar is stacked. And my boss said, I need you to take this phone call with these people from Formula One. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, you know. <laughs> and so I take a beat and I do a quick Google search before I like hop on the call. That's insane. <laughs> and I'm like, what is Formula One? And I'm like scrolling, scrolling. And I'm like, NASCAR, got it. <laughs> <laughs> A common misconception. (laughs) So I hop on the call and it's mostly women. And I'm super surprised to see that they're running the global business and they start to name drop. (laughs) And I'm like Googling in the background, you know, because this is all virtual, right? That's the the perks of virtual work. Uh (laughs) And so they keep saying um, some guy named Seb, right? (laughs) And I'm like, who the fuck is Seb? Some guy named (laughs) Seb. Googling it. Cool, cool, cool. Got it. Um... And uh, another one that they named was uh, Daniel Ricardo. Nice. Right? No idea who he Daniel was. Daniel Ricardo, NASCAR driver. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then they mentioned Lewis, and I'm literally like, who is Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> oh, he's Rihanna's ex boyfriend. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> like, why didn't you just say that? You know? <laughs> That's iconic. (laughs) So that was me three summers ago. I fell in love with the sport. I kept in touch with the incredible women that I met that were running the global business. And uh, last spring, I got a phone call from one of them saying, do you want to build a Grand Prix? Wow. And the Grand Prix. And in my mind at that point, I'm thinking, well, where? Right. And there's always (laughs) rumors about where the next Mm -hmm. F1 race is going to be. Um, and so I'm like, is it, is it back to Africa finally? You know what I mean? Cause yeah. I've, I've worked on the African continent before. I'm like, is it India? I've worked in India before. <laughs> I have, you know, have had the privilege to kind of travel and work all over the world. Um, and she said it was Las Vegas. You're like a little bit different, but okay. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, so one thing led to another, I packed up my Brooklyn apartment and landed here. Um, and for the first gosh, probably the first six months of being here, our small, small team was actually working out of a room here at the Wynn. Oh my gosh. So like, like a guest room, like a uh-huh, bedroom? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Abby. Um, very startup style, mm. right? And we can talk about what that's meant for our business to really be new in, inside this bigger machine. Um, but it's been a 15-month sprint. and We've accomplished some really, really amazing things that I'm proud of. So yeah. it's it's been a dream. Well, we can't wait to dive into s- sustainability. But yeah. first... Take us through the team. You said it's a lo- it's small. It's We're like hundred people. Yeah. Tell us about the team makeup. What what even? How do you even start with yeah. building a Grand Prix from scratch? Yeah, yeah. So I think what we knew in the beginning was um, we needed folks that could sell. Right, you got to yeah. sell tickets as a promoter. That's part of mm-hmm. what a promoter does. Um, promoters also are responsible for safety and security. Right, so that part of the team slowly got built out. Um, we needed folks who know racing, right? The race operations of it all. And that team slowly got built out. Um, there's the business development side and the commercial relationships that have to be managed with all of our sponsors. And so that team slowly got built out. And where I sit is really interesting because I'm on the commercial team, um, focused mostly, right, um, on uh, CSR and sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also support on the government relations side. So as we are becoming a business, it's been important for me to be able to go out into the community here and really build relationships yeah. on our behalf. Um, start to finish for this project is only 15 months. That's so crazy. Right? That and is so like a blink of an eye. It's the blink of an eye. But the F1 world moves so fast. We were just saying that this morning. Like That's it. Exactly. 15 months is a, is a lifetime. F1, F1 moves fast and Vegas moves fast. There you go. Right. So it's it's worked out, um, but it's been a sprint for sure. And the team, we're, we're, we're lean. Um, we're young. We're mostly female, which a lot of people Love don't that. realize. 
So it's this really, really, I think, um, rare kind of motorsport experience that I get to have. And I'm super grateful for it. And I think it's kind of a reflection of how Formula One has changed oh over the gosh. past few years, which oh is so great for us to see, you know, as American I so. women. I think so. I think I reflect uh, a lot of what new fans are, right? So Younger, exactly. female, found our way by Netflix, right? Yeah. Or some other means, Um as an entry point, and that's what makes me excited, right, about the future of motorsport. Like, we actually have a lot of influence yeah. as women, and it's exciting. Totally. Living, breathing F1R for the girls right there here. It there it is. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about relationship building, yeah. and one thing that you guys have been doing a lot is partnerships. So yeah. tell us what's gone into that. We've seen Switch, Liquid Death, some food rescue plans. Yeah. How have you guys been approaching that? Sure. So, so the question for us really about um, – uh, about, I would say, nine months ago as a team was like, what is our sustainability story? Mm -hmm. What is it going to be made of? Um, if you look at Las Vegas and Nevada, I would say as a whole, um, this is not a place that you think of first when you're thinking about definitely yeah. green innovation, right? Um, it's happening here, but it's not necessarily the most forward part mm -hmm. of the brand. Um, and so we asked ourselves, what do we want to achieve? And then who do we need to work with to be able to make those things a reality? We can't do it all on our own, right? And so it's been through partnerships, either on the commercial side with Liquid Death or Switch, where they have resources and expertise that we don't, and we're able to kind of borrow from them. Um, but then also on the public side, we have an incredible partnership with the Southern Nevada Water Authority that we've built. Um, and that allows us, again, to kind of tap into their expertise um, and help us solve for things that on our own, we just, as a tiny team, we wouldn't be able to do it, yeah. you know. So tell us about that water pilot. Yeah. It's a first of its kind. The you all are kind. trying to become the first net zero water consumption yeah. Grand Prix in yeah. Formula One and obviously Las Vegas, Clark County experiencing drought, sure. limited water supply. That's right. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So... What you guys know um, is that F1 has this big global sustainability strategy mm -hmm. that's been developed by Ellen Jones, which I think is brilliant. And I love her strategy and the way that she shaped it because it's meant to be both relevant globally, but also locally. Yeah. And so when we sat down and when I thought, well, what, what, what should be the shape of our strategy? The question is locally, where are we most resource constrained? Mm. And here in Southern Nevada, it happens to be around water, Right. Um, and so most of the water that we consume here comes from the Colorado River okay. through a lake called Lake Mead. Mm -hmm. And Lake Mead is dwindling rapidly, right? Um, we will get to a point, it's called Deadpool status, where we really can't rely on that as your only source of water anymore. Mm -hmm. We're getting it's there terrifying. pretty quickly, which is terrifying. It's hard to do any of this without water. Um, and so I had a thought um, late last year, and my thought was, wouldn't it be cool if we could eventually operate our race without using any water from Lake Mead? Wow. Like, how do we do that? That is so ambitious. How do you That's come crazy. up with that kernel <laughs> of a thought and turn that into a and reality? And not get scared to well, actually do something so, about it. So here's the juice. I think the juice is this. Um, I believe that F1 technology can make anything possible. So do we. We preach that all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And if we point our technological prowess in the right direction, we can probably solve for things really meaningfully at scale um, in a way that other organizations simply can't because they don't have that same technological mm -hmm. prowess. And so it was a crazy idea, but I'm thinking there has to be someone who's smart enough on the technology side to actually make this possible, Right. And so um, we started to talk to folks around town and just say, like, what would this look like? We may not be able to achieve our goal this year, right, before the first Grand Prix, but 
what would it look like over the next decade for us to start to chart a course toward becoming a net zero water event? Mm -hmm. And so the water authority, um, first they were really excited, right? Because they're like, you know, they look at us as a new business in town, um, that is sensitive to what those resource constraints are. And so they said, we have some ideas. Um, one of those ideas was to create new water and the way that you're able to do that. One of the ways to do that, um, is through a machine called an atmospheric water generator. I had never heard of it. Again, I hop on Google, right? We're getting technical here. That's what we do. (laughs) And um, I'm like, atmospheric water generator, what is this? How much does it cost, right? Like, what's the reality (laughs) of this thing? Uh So it turns out that these machines take moisture from the air and they turn that into water, right? And you can imagine if you take one of these generators and sit it on Miami beach, right? It's going to crank out water all day because there's nothing but humidity in the air in the desert. But what about the (laughs) desert? So our friends at the water authority said, here's a concept in Vegas, all of the big commercial properties, including the one that we're sitting in all the hotels, resorts, um, they cool their properties using something called evaporative cooling towers. There you go. Wow. And so when you've ever been in a hotel room in Vegas and you open your window, if you look down at the roof, there's all that stuff. A lot of those are cooling towers. Mm -hmm. So what cooling towers do is they emit humidity all day long. It's part of how properties are cooled. And unfortunately, that humidity ultimately amounts to wasted water. Mm. And so the Water Authority said, what if we take a generator, make it talk to a cooling tower so that it captures all that wasted humidity and turn that into the water that you can eventually use to operate your race, meaning you don't need to rely on Lake Mead as your source. Yeah. Nuts, right? <laughs> People smarter than me talking through this, figuring it out, me hopping on YouTube, trying to like piece it together because <laughs> no, I'm not an sense. engineer. It makes sense. And you like, you need someone who's able to explain it to Correct. a lot of different kinds of people Correct. to make it work. So that's right. That's crushing right. It. So, so I start to call folks to validate the concept, right? Yeah. Cause I'm not an yeah. engineer. And, um, I called a few people. One of them was Pat Simmons. Yes. Right. Of course. F1's chief, CTO. Tech, chief technical officer. Um, never met him before, by the way. I was like, Hey, <laughs> Got this idea for Do you. you. Have a sack <laughs> he was probably like, "This Zoom. is amazing." So we get on a call, um, and he said it was amazing, and that was like all the validation that I needed, right? Let's, let's go. And so I go to our leadership, and as we're building a Grand Prix, um, you can imagine that in another universe, you have a group of executives that says, "Great idea, but not right now." Mm. Yeah, we have a lot of other stuff to figure out. Yeah, um, and I'm lucky enough that our leadership decided, "Let's let's go for it." Um, And so we partnered together with the Southern Nevada Water Authority um, and with MGM because they have nothing but cooling towers. And so about a month ago, our generator landed in Vegas. And right now it's installed on um, the loading dock at MGM Grand where it's been connected to the cooling tower. I know, (laughs) I know. Um, And right now we're making about 750 gallons of new water a day. Oh, my gosh. It's a small start. No, but it's a start. That's but where the concept is proven, you guys, and it's 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 to me the most exciting thing is to think about not just being able to operate our race with water that we've created, but eventually being able to transition all of the commercial properties here off yes. of cooling tower technology. Like it's, it's and this just is, the beginning. We talk about this all the time where Formula One is an R&D lab for the real world. That's and it. most of the time you think about it in cars, in sustainable fuels, et cetera. But this is a perfect example where you can think out of the box use the resources and technical prowess That's of it. F1 to move it forward. And I think one thing that Tig and I were curious about is when you're coming up with this race, zero to 212, zero to 100, 
you know, brand new, brand new race, how much were you looking at other promoters to learn from? And now how much can you share out with the rest of the F1 calendar? Yeah, it's definitely um, important for us to both absorb, right, as much as we can from folks who've done this before. Mm -hmm. um, I think the beautiful thing about F1 and what I've learned just in conversations that we've had with promoters is every race is different. Yeah. And every promoter is solving for a different thing, right? So for here, us for here, it might be water, right? But in another part of the world, maybe they're thinking more about renewable energy than we are. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's definitely been a benefit to be able to kind of share learnings and best practices. Um, but we certainly want to be able to package up what we're doing and say to other promoters, here's an example of what it looks like to partner in a really innovative way. You might not be solving for the same thing that we're solving for, mm -hmm. but check out the way that we establish this relationship with a public agency, right, which you don't see in sport. And imagine yeah. if you started to see more of that, how communities would be transformed. Oh, totally. I think a lot of people just think, oh, people are racing around a track at really high speeds. But this is a perfect example of public sector, private sector partnerships, using science, academia, technology, and sharing that out That's with it. not just other teams or other promoters, but other industries, yeah. other sports, the entire world. That's like, it. It's and so leaving much a bigger footprint, than us. like not just F1 in and out and they'll see you next year. But yeah. How long did it take you to get sold on that with, you know, not knowing anything about F1 and coming into this role? You know, did it take a while to kind of realize the big footprint F1 could have? Um, I think that's kind of why I fell in love with it. Right. I think. The thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is to think about, from a sporting standpoint, um, I don't think that there is a better series platform league in the world um, that is positioned to actually be able to have year-over-year -year impact in communities, wow. right? So, the Olympics isn't there every year. Yeah. It's once in a lifetime, right? We love our friends at the NFL Super Bowl, maybe once in a decade, Right. But for us to do what we do at the scale that we do it year over year over year, I think mm -hmm. the long tail is so powerful. And it's just something that I don't see right um, um, across sports in general. Yeah. I think it's very unique to Formula One when you consider where we race and that year over year presence. There's nothing like it. So thinking about next year, what's yeah. one thing that you've kind of like unlocked that you think will be like, OK, we got this for next year. And then what's one thing that you're still thinking about making better for next year? Yeah, there's so much that we have to learn, right? Um, we will gather so much feedback from this year's yeah. experience and kind of process it, chew on it and process it and let that inform where we go going forward. I think there's a lot of questions about what our impact has been here in the community mm -hmm. and how people feel our presence. Um, I think for us this year, we've done just over a million dollars in donations to local nonprofits, which is pretty impressive. Incredible. That's work that we certainly want to continue and, and grow. Um, and then certainly, you know, we hear feedback from folks who live here like I do, um, that the traffic has been terrible. Yeah. And that's also something that we care about and want to be more thoughtful about going forward. So some of it is, you know, how do we continue to make this the most incredible experience from a fan standpoint, but then thinking about this business that we're building, how do we make sure that we are good partners in the community, exactly. right, yeah. um, on, on a 365-day basis. Yeah, so what are some other, of those other things? We've talked about sustainability, nonprofit donations, bettering the community, but what kind of falls under the umbrella of corporate social responsibility? Yeah, yeah. it really is the way that we partner with organizations um, and support the work that they're doing, right? 
We have here in Southern Nevada, um, one of the biggest school districts in the country, Clark County School District. Yep. It's the fifth largest. I work in education, so it's close to it's my heart. It's kind of curious. <laughs> it's the fifth largest, and it tends to um, it tends to every year rank pretty low in terms of educational mm-hmm. outcomes. Yep. And so certainly when I think about, you know, what it's going to mean for us to have a real presence and start to create fans here, it probably has to start in schools. Right, so we're thinking about STEM education programs. Ooh, there's so much to do there. There's so, so much, much to be done that. there, right? Um, and we're only just beginning to scratch the surface of what's possible there. Uh, yesterday, my team had the opportunity to surprise a group of students who live on the east side of Vegas, a predominantly low-income community, um, where they've established an F1 after-school club. That is so cool. And these kids are so passionate. Where was that when I was a kid? I know. And they're so passionate. And it's a little girl that's the president of the club, and she wears her Red Bull racing gear to school every day. (laughs) And so we picked them up yesterday on a bus and surprised them and brought them to the circuit. Right. And which, like, were they sobbing? They'll never and, forget. Yeah. I mean, they were sobbing. Curriculum. They were overstimulated. Like they, just, you know what I mean. They had the time of their life. But it's those kinds of touch points that I think are going to be important for us, because the reality is here in Southern Nevada, you don't have a lot of F1 fans yet. We have to go create them, right? So um, certainly, I think partnerships for us going forward are going to be really about engaging young folks, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm so excited about that too. Yeah, That's we'll amazing. have to get you guys involved. Yeah, we would love to. <laughs> STEM That's is right up our alley. <laughs> STEM is stemming. We love it. Um, okay, what are you before we like go into our fun hot takes ending for the episode? Sure. What are you most excited for this weekend? I know <sighs> it's been a sprint, and you're probably just like not even processing. But what can't you wait for? So I think the thing that I've been most looking forward to is. Um, There are a lot of people just like you who haven't been to Vegas since they were kids or at all. (laughs) That's me. Never. Never. Right. Eight years old. (laughs) So I'm excited for people to see Las Vegas in a way that they haven't seen it or experienced it before. Um, It's an incredible destination and there is so much texture and so much life and so much culture here. And I'm excited for folks to experience that really meaningfully this weekend. Mm -hmm. There are so many folks who we know from in and around the F1 ecosystem that have never been here before. Yeah, bringing people from overseas is going to be huge. Mind-blowing, Yeah, right? And is it kitschy, you know, in an American way? Yes. But that's the you accept it. That's part of it. That's (laughs) part of it, right? So I'm, I'm really excited for folks to have maybe like a new first impression right of what's possible here through our event that's what I've been looking forward to we love that so much yeah okay so we like to end our episodes with sort of a rapid fire hot take round nothing crazy but just whatever comes to your mind okay so as a relatively new Vegas resident do you have a favorite Vegas casino oh (laughs) oh oh um it depends on the vibe that I'm trying to catch you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's hear the spectrum of vibes. Um, the spectrum of vibes. <laughs> so my favorite casino bar is here at the Wynn. Okay. okay. Um, and it's called Aft, and it sits down on the lake. I don't know if you guys have been down there. No, but we'll, have to go. we'll go check that you out. You have to go have a cocktail there. <laughs> um, it's gorgeous, and it's kind of a show on the lake. It's hard to explain, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I always take out-of-towners there. Um, Palace Station. So this, the smaller off-strip casinos uh, t- generally are called station casinos, and they all have a different name. Mm-hmm. So Palace Station has my favorite Buffalo Wings okay. in town. Oh, and on Tuesdays, on Tuesdays they do dollar oysters. Okay. So sometimes after work I go on Tuesdays and have oysters and wings there, which I love. Should we Beautiful. stay till Tuesday? I know. I know. <laughs> Beautiful combo. Um, what else? I think 
look, the the shops at Caesars will always have a soft spot in my heart. Like I love a good Sephora. I think the better one in town is there, you Very know. Good. So right. they all have a little <laughs> something different to offer. And then I think um, visually what I find one of the most beautiful spots on the strip is actually the um, conservatory at Bellagio where they do a huge floral exhibit that's worth checking out. Okay, Tiggy, we'll go this you afternoon. Have, we are going to Bellagio this afternoon. Go. Okay. You have to go. It's where I take my mom when she's here. It's okay. gorgeous and you wouldn't expect it, you know? So it just depends on like what where I'm headed, what my vibe is for the day. That okay. is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of vibes, if yeah. you're in the vibe to play some games, what's your favorite casino game? Oh, I don't really, I don't really gamble. So probably like the right sl- answer. Maybe like you know slots I mean? or something. Like I probably, if I, if I were into it, I wouldn't have moved here. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know exactly that what you mean. That was like a part of the calculus for me. Like, okay, Vegas, am I going to be. How slippery of a slope are we getting into? <laughs> Can I handle that? Jess um, and I have set ourselves a budget for the weekend, which is quite low. You, you have to. I mean, look, I love the classic video blackjack. Yeah. Right. Like very straightforward. Um, some of the machines, there's a lot going on. It, yeah. Two seaters now. Mm. I don't know if you noticed oh, that. No. Like you, <laughs> you kind of need a PhD in computer science to operate some of them. Oh my goodness. You don't know? have that. So, so. I, I get overwhelmed, <laughs> but I'm the friend that will cheer for you while you play. Okay. Pilar. Perfect. We'll Counting invite you. It. You know, <laughs> we're planning me. on going I'll Sunday go after drink. I'll hold your purse. <laughs> do your thing. <laughs> That's the role we that love I play. that. <laughs> Okay, drivers are racing down the strip. This is going to be crazy. crazy. Which landmark are you most excited to see drivers race by? Oh, um, there's a couple. So I think the sphere. Yeah, it's so cool. That is a feat. Just I just on can't its own. even. Yeah, on its own, and and you can see it from almost anywhere in town. I can drive 30 minutes north up into the mountains and turn around and see the sphere like blinking at me. Success. <laughs> that, that was the point, right? <laughs> it's nuts. So, so I think that's going to be visually stunning to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that moment when they go past the Bellagio fountains yeah. and the fountains are going off and the cars yeah. and the, right. Like that sort of symphony of movement I have chills already. Right? <laughs> so Vegas. I'm easy to, to please, apparently. But <laughs> So I think that'll be really special, too. Those will probably be the two landmarks to me that stand out. Yeah. Okay, and last one. Speaking of the Sphere. Yeah. Dream concert at the Sphere. Who would it be if it could be anyone? Oh, Dream Sphere concert. So huh, um, since I moved to Vegas, I feel like all I do is go to shows because everyone's here. That's a great Enta- that's entertainment a great capital of the world. Here, right? Um. Who do I think would put on a show and leverage the sphere technology in the most interesting way? Um, I had a really good time at Katy Perry the other night. Oh, a really good time at Katy Perry. And I think what she would do with the sphere would just be out of this world. I love that. You know, the song E.T.? Yeah. Extraterrestrial would be a great sphere song. Like Dark Horse. (laughs) I mean, you can just imagine i think i think she'd be incredible there um but look like i'd also go and see adele stand there and sing yeah i mean who wouldn't we've been talking about her residency right (laughs) very cool well next time katie perry's in town and if she's at the the sphere we will come and watch with you come through (laughs) it'll be our reunion all right you guys thank you so much thank you so much this was incredible we are so excited for the weekend we cannot wait lights out lights out baby (laughs) 